This is Hearts of Oak Podcast. Free speech, religious disagreement, children's rights, and open and free discussion on any topic are bedrock to a democratic free society, and we seek to promote and champion these basic rights. Join us. Let's keep the conversation going. Any other comments, please do drop them aside. Um, I've, had a fun, I've had a fun week, actually, uh, before we get into the topic at hand, which isn't a fun topic. Uh, it has been quite a, a bad week in terms of that. Uh, but for us here at Hearts of Oak, it's been good being on War Room all week. Been on four or five times, on earlier today, twice yesterday. And what Steve Bannon is doing in War Room is an example to all of us content creators. And I hope that what we do as Hearts of Oak is putting out information, connecting with you, the audience, informing you of what's happening, and being a, I guess, a, a conduit for truth and educate you in what is happening. It just in the same way that Steve Bannon is doing over there in War Room, we are trying to do something in a similar way here in the UK. And I hope that's what you guess. Who else? H.W. Logan, hello from Idaho. Hello. Jill Stein9, hello. Uh, fit for generations. I'm just here because I love your accent. <laughs> uh, well, you've got me for the next 50 minutes. So, yeah, I hope you love it 50 minutes worth. Caroline Cameron 5, greetings from Indiana. Whoa, whoa, you're dull typing too fast. Trevor 0707, hello from Bradford. Bradford, there we go. Some Englishness. Black Guns 2049 plus, greetings evenings or evening from Las Vegas. Uh, Pems Het, hello, Rossen. Uh, uh, lots of my goodness. SCPKM, good evening. And Nana Marty 5. Cheers from Arizona, USA. Keep them coming. Keep them coming. Steve, this is, could be doing all this all night. Steve, hello, Peter. I'm from Florida. Great to have you. Uh, Sunita Ran. Hi, Peter. Uh, I think Rustin Hasberg is not my real name. I did guess that. Uh, Rustin, well, it could be Rustin. I know. Who knows? SCPKM, South Carolina, USA. RFL, if you do easier names, then I can read them out easier. RFLA0430. That sounds like a prison number. Hey, from Delaware. Arbeam, Kentucky here. Saw you on War Room. Loving it. Had a great week on War Room. Where else? Uh, Jack, F Jack Fulner. Greetings from Oregon. Great to have you. Uh, H.W. Logan. Great seeing you on War Room this week. Sorry for the subject of your appearance. Well, we we cover everything, and when you do grooming gangs, it is a dark subject, so we want to make sure we touch on everything that is happening and update you. Julie Nyman, greetings from Idaho, USA. Um, Lori T, hello from Georgia, USA. Goodness, we want to get every state. MDL 1953, hello from Missouri. Are you guys just making up states? Come on. <laughs> um, Ron Swan. Right, I could do this all night, but let me jump over. That's everyone on Getter. Great to have you. Thank you for joining. And tonight is a difficult subject. And I, as 
grown up a, a monarchist. A lot has happened in the past well, a couple of years that has made me question the monarchy, but I think many have questioned the monarchy, but still would hold to Queen Elizabeth II as a figure of stability. Remember, Queen Elizabeth II was our queen here in the United Kingdom, United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. For 70 years, she celebrated her jubilee, her 70th jubilee. That was in June. And here's a fact for you, which was from Nigel, who is also on Getter. What better reason to join Getter than Mr. Nigel Farage, Mr. Brexit? Without him, we wouldn't have Brexit. And Nigel pointed out to all you Yanks out there, can I call you Yanks? I don't know. Don't want to offend anyone too much. To all you Yanks that Queen Elizabeth, her reign of 70 years, she reigned for a time 30% of your existence. That's what we mean by stability. Having one person as an anchor, as an institution, that continuity, continuity across the ages, whatever happens, whatever decade it is, there was a anchor, a presence, and that was Queen Elizabeth II. She is gone. That anchor has been cut loose. And the time ahead will be a darker time because of it. Uh, Dr. Felix, hello, representing the Voice of Wales here in Cormethon. Cormethon, sorry. Voice of, Voice of Wales. Great guys. Dan and Stan doing the business, exposing. Uh, I love what they do. Love what they do. So keep it up, guys. And oh, Plombari. Plombariola. There are Canadians in the house too, not just USAers. Well, tell me where you're from in Canada. Uh, I had a great time over in Toronto a couple of months ago, catching up with some friends, including the, the great Ezra Levant. Rebel News, great outlet over in Canada and probably the only common sense outlet. And on Monday, we have a Canadian. We have Billboard Chris, who's joining us on Monday to talk about um, talk about puberty blockers and the destruction that's been done to our children in the name of gender confusion, woke madness. Uh, they're mutilating our children on the altar of political correctness and woke ideology is up to us to fight back. That is on Monday. Tune in. Uh, great interview with Billboard Chris. Fantastic individual. Love what he's doing. That is on Monday. So I'm getting sidetracked. Uh, do, 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 do. Right. Enough. I'm going to jump in. Today, I want to, I think the the text we put, the show notes, uh, was the events of the last few days have rocked our nation. For 70 years, Queen Elizabeth II has been a constant in British life. And I've seen some comments for Americans who don't get it, who mock the monarchy, the institution. And we all live in different nations. We all are byproducts of our upbringing, of our culture. But it is a tradition that I think has been positive for the UK. Um, I understand that not everyone gets it. But hey, many countries have a democratic system. 
That's just a different way. Why does that work any better? We have different ways of governing, and it is a constitutional monarch, which means she does submit to the government, and it is not she, she, he, the monarch, the sovereign, is not all-powerful. But the Queen's dedication to a life of service and not fame, her attention to others and not herself, her sense of duty and not celebrity, her strong Christian faith that was her foundation on which her life was built. We now stare into the unknown, the abyss. The anchor of tradition has been cut from the United Kingdom. What does this mean for our future, our society, and Britain's place in the world? So this, I try and focus on this week, which has been a a dark week with the, 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 the death of the Queen, just two days after the announcement of a new Prime Minister, Liz Truss. So we have had massive change in the space of days here in the UK. And we are understanding how to step into that and uh, what the future then means with, I guess, untested and untried leadership. Although Prince Charles, now King Charles III, has been, I think the, he is, I can't remember what the, what the line is, he has waited more time than any other to step into that role. I saw a a meme that said, breaking, 73-year-old man finds job. And he has been waiting for this. He will not be celebrating any jubilee like Queen Elizabeth has done. He will obviously keep that uh, the position of monarchy, to provide that as a continuing stable institution to pass over to Prince William, um, his son. I think that is the rule of King Charles. Uh, but I realise that many will ask, where was the Queen during the destruction of lockdown and the threat of medical tyranny? Where was she as we tried to free ourselves from the clutches of the EU? Where was she during the moral and cultural collapse we have seen over the past few decades? And of course, Prince Charles, King Charles III, what can we expect from him? Many questions. And we started late, but we'll try and get through them. I want to bring your comments in. It is me flying solo today, but I I do want to bring your comments in. We um, I thought just because of the issue, we often have news programs every Saturday. We have guests. It's back and forward conversation. It is conversation around the topics. But today, I just wanted to do this myself, focus on this one story, because this is the news of the UK. This is the news this week from here in Great Britain and Northern Ireland, England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. And it affects all four nations within the United Kingdom to the same extent. Um, but first, I want to say why I'm saddened. I saw a message from a American and I understand you see things very differently, not living under a monarchy. But they were confused at why you have could have sadness for someone you haven't met. And you don't understand that when you have lived in society with that ever presence. I mean, the, the queen became queen, ascended to the throne in 1953. Uh, that was, what, 24 years before I was born. She'd been queen 24 years before. So you have to be in this country, really, um, 
I guess, 80 plus to really remember what it would have been under King George VI, who was her father and was king until he died in 1952. And it took 18 months for her actually to go through the secession process and have that ceremony to become queen. Very young, 27. So we are all at sea. Um, yeah, we are all at sea. And the the anchor, and I think anchor is a good word to use on this, the anchor has, has gone. Uh, we don't know what that will mean going forward. We go into very uncertain times. We have King Charles III, who actually is known, is well known, because he is an activist. He is someone who speaks his mind and does not hold his tongue, can I say that? He's someone who would write letters to newspapers, something Queen Elizabeth would never have done. She kept her counsel for private conversations. It was not to be displayed and presented and thrown to the world. It was used for individuals for specific times, and it was behind closed doors. Uh, when when she spoke, it was not to criticize or advise, or it was those times uh, during Christmas where she would give her Christmas address. There were specific times where she would speak, but often it'd be that one-to-one. Prince Charles is very different. He is a... Uh, well, well, we'll get into some of those criticisms kind of in the third part. But, yeah, that is why I certainly, as a British citizen, and I get people are extremely frustrated over many aspects of the monarchy. I grew up under a, a Union Jack. I was certainly very much a monarchist, very much a unionist. Growing up in Northern Ireland, you picked one side or the other, whether you wanted to be part of the Union of the United Kingdom, whether you wanted to be part of United Ireland. That's what defined... Everyone, I think, growing up in Northern Ireland in the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, things have changed a little bit now. Um, but that was what life was about. And the Queen was the figurehead. The Queen was a sovereign. The Queen was certainty. There were some, some stats I had. Let me see if I can find them. <clears throat> My paperwork's in a mess after waiting for so long to have you on. There was, I think it was the Queen has lived through 15 or 16 Prime Ministers. Sorry, I've got 16. I don't know if it's 15 or 16 Prime Ministers. Her life spans Prime Ministers. It spanned 14 Presidents. As I said, the Queen has been queen for 30% of the existence of the United States of America. So she has seen much. Much has come, much has gone, and she has seen it all. <clears throat> Some questions uh, asking H. Thompson, 2021, asking, how do you think Charles III is going to continue with the stance on climate in Davos? Uh, we'll get to that. Let me get that in the third part. I just want to set out why I certainly am extremely saddened at this time. 
uh, we'll get into just a few minutes on what the next 10 days will mean, what will happen, what you can expect, and then look at the the darker side and why I understand that people do not have much love for the monarchy. Uh, but certainly for me, it's that when I heard the news, we heard that uh, members of the royal family were rushing up to Scotland. Uh, I actually started to pen a piece for Gateway Pundit that had been begun to write for this week, uh, an article Monday and, and Thursday or Friday. And I was thinking, wow, could could this be? I mean, the, the note from the doctors was very specific of their concern. That goes much further than the palace would ever go. So I was thinking, what, what what is this? Maybe. So I actually begun to put down a article thinking, well, she may pass away. She's 96 when she's had to cancel many engagements, even during the Jubilee in June, where she celebrated 70 years, she did look frail. And she only came out publicly for some of the occasions, many of them she did not. So that was an indication that her health was failing. As you can expect for someone of that age, she has very good health up to that point. Of course, the Duke of Edinburgh, her husband, was 99. He died just short of his 100th birthday. Again, very, um, very able, very fit, very healthy. God had blessed them both with health and long life. And I pray that for any of our leaders, uh, it's quite surprising, I think. Even it is quite surprising to see some of the hit from the left, the celebration of the death of anyone. How could anyone celebrate someone's death? How evil do you have to be to celebrate someone's death? Some in our society do that. Um, and I'm glad that many of you are different and would never do that. So those are some of my thoughts on, on the Queen, on the death of the Queen. Let me look down some comments. Um, oh, so that's interesting. So Eliakim Joseph Sophia on YouTube. Some of you are on YouTube. Actually, her comment is, Jordan Peterson did a wonderful tribute to Elizabeth in the UK. He said, we've all taken the stability and the monarchy for granted. I watched that. It was a powerful, powerful speech by Jordan. I think it was at an event and, and this came up. Um, I'd encourage you to go and watch it on his YouTube channel. Have a click or, and watch. I was going to say on Twitter. He's off Twitter. Hasn't made the uh, the jump over together. Maybe he will soon. But certainly on his YouTube channel, it's there. Very powerful. I think 10 or 12 minutes speech. So thank you very much for pointing that out. Um, and Elikim also says, Theresa May said they were the only conversations that she knew wouldn't be leaked to the media. You could trust those meetings with the Queen and that what was said would be private. And that advice would be given as wise counsel and not to get one up on someone or use to hold someone hostage or for any blackmail or to attack. But it was completely private, and there was that absolute trust the Queen had with those she met. Divi 1602, Northern Ireland. <laughs> Let's see here, Ireland. Uh, let me pull in some, any other comments on that. And how, I mean, how, how do you feel? Give me some of those on how you feel personally. 
biotech babe the queen had a wonderful sense of humor that often came out and came out with a lot of the individuals who spoke of meeting the queen i never got to meet the queen uh, my grandfather did uh, jack McElvena. he met her he was a counselor in carrick fergus and she came there and um they met together so i've i would put the picture up but it's somewhere um and yeah, so I've never, I've never met Rolda. I look from the outside, as you all do. Um, but those are my thoughts. I'm certainly, as a British citizen, the affection that I held and hold for the Queen. Any other comments? Russell Hasselberg, how do you hold the monarch accountable towards democratic rule, uh, withhold monies? For armies, I, uh, it's certainly not a, a perfect system, um, but it does provide stability. And when you have a good monarch, it is good for the nation. When you have a bad monarch, you could be a bit screwed. <laughs> but anyway, good monarch, and you have that stability. Uh, Deborah Payton says, I thought the Queen had much dignity and integrity, but that's from a far distance, never meeting. Exactly the same. I feel exactly the same. Uh, Populistin Queen Elizabeth was a very good queen and she will be the last Christian queen or king of the UK that's something I agree and really does sadden me as a Christian I look to the queen for her Christian faith which gave her a purpose and a sense of stability King Charles does not have that and that's what fills me with dread looking ahead wondering what the future will hold Sunita Ran says, Peter, I was raised in India and we had a love affair with the monarch too. It's wonderful to hear from you in India, uh, your affection for the queen. It transcends borders. It transcends nations. And no matter how much the left ran, uh, attack and pull down Britain's place in the world, there is an affection with many countries in the Commonwealth, and I talk to that with my African friends, with my Caribbean friends, there is a sense of connection with the United Kingdom. Um, and even Bannon was saying that today, a sense of connection that everyone feels, even including our US cousins over there. Maybe you should never have left. <laughs> um, let me just look him. H.W. Logan says losing Philip probably was too much for her. Yes, but she carried on for a year. Those images of her in the church all by herself, sickening images of how she could be treated like that. I wish she rebelled against that. She didn't. She wasn't someone who rebelled. So, uh, Biotepe, yeah, uh, love the Queen my whole life in America. Uh, Black Guns 2049, I admire Queen Elizabeth as an American. Deborah Payton, I don't trust Charles because of his history with women and his first wife. I have other reasons not to trust him. Uh, so, I'm trying to see. Steve, I love the Queen as an American. Uh, someone can be someone else not having respect. I mean, to me, I've, I've held off on criticism because you have to give people a chance I don't expect much from King Charles, but I, I do pray and hope that he surprises me. 
maybe on the death of his mother, he will think of things more than talking to plants and a whole new age philosophy he has, uh, the whole a green agenda, net zero. Maybe he will think about something more. I'm not sure. Um, Pem says, I've been with my 90-year-old mother in the block for Tarma Flats. I feel very deflated. It does. It really does. Um, yeah, Deborah Payton says, I mourned Diana's death but never met her. Exactly. You can mourn someone who's sad to see someone go, especially. You feel you know them when they're in the public eye. You feel you know them. That's how kind of the celebrity culture works. You feel as though you know someone, and yet you don't. You've never met them. But there is a connection there. Plemborolia. I oh, sorry, I can't. I can't pronounce. I'm sorry. Uh, three of my grandparents came from England in the early 1900s, and it hit us on a cellular level. It really does. Uh, Black guns. 2049. So I have sadness for Dr. Martin Luther King, even though I was a small child when he died. Biotech babe. I mourned Ronald Reagan. Yeah. Uh, Deborah Payne said, "Why continue with the monarchy at all? Hasn't anyone ever challenges its continuation?" I. I think this could be the biggest challenge that is faced. Uh, Plamborolia says, waking up without her for the first time in almost 60 years, my whole life left me bereft. And Dot says, I never met the Queen, but I cried when I heard she passed. Um, Sorry, people send strange comment or question for me to say, someone you've never met. Well, I, I can understand that you don't know someone, but someone else in that they, many people mourn JFK, having never met him. Uh, Russell Hasberg says, the reason the British Empire came to fruition is directly because of the Norman invasion. That's what you know, that, that some of what we have at the moment stems all the way back to 1066. Uh, the institutions we have in our system and let me move on to that, because one of those institutions we saw today, Steve says, yes, I can call him a yank. I'm glad. Uh, not that I'm worried about offending people, but anyway, nice to stand the same side as you. <laughs> you never know. Um, great to have so many of you, a thousand of you on Getter. Great to have you. Thank you so much for tuning in and being with us. And... Oh, when you finish, actually, here's a thought. Uh, Matt Latisse is on with Chris Sky. Chris Sky is a great Canadian activist. You'll enjoy that. So when you finish here, you can always watch that after. But stay with us for the moment. What to expect over the next 10 days? I've looked into this in depth because I've been educating Steve Bannon and the viewers. It's been good fun. It really has been. But... What to expect over the next 10 days? Well, let me go through some of the things that have happened. And today was certainly part of that. Um, today was the meeting of the Accession Council. Does anyone know what the Accession Council is? No, None of us have ever seen the Accession Council. That's because it last met in 1953 to as the process of Queen Elizabeth II becoming Queen wasn't filmed in 1953. The coronation was actually filmed for the first time ever, which is why we have those wonderful pictures of a young Queen Elizabeth walking and actually receiving the crown, taking her voice and becoming queen. And the whole thing of the, she agreed to it, but the cameras had to have a 
a far away shot, but actually they got a close up shot, and and you see the moment Queen Elizabeth becomes queen, and it's wonderful to have those pictures, those those shots. But what happened? So that was ten a.m. today, UK English time, British time, and the, the privy council also met. This is weird. The accession council looking into this. Let me update you on what the accession council is. Um, in the United Kingdom, the accession council, this is our pomp and ceremony. This is our history, our heritage. It is part of what makes us British. I think it's something that many of us do celebrate. You can call it old-fashioned, but it is an institution that has served the United Kingdom, I think, extremely well. But in the UK, the Accession Council is a ceremonial body which assembles in St. James, there in the centre of London, upon the death of a monarch. And they make a formal proclamation of the accession of the successor. Yet under the terms of the, the 1701 Settlement Act, at the death of a monarch, it passes over. So at that moment, a new monarch automatically takes on that role. Uh, but this proclamation, it merely confirms what's happening, formally announces. I mean, it's difficult to remember what that was like. Today, 24-hour ruling news, there was a time when the announcement had to be made, like today, at 11 a.m. at the balcony of St. James's Palace. There was the trumpet sound, and then there was the proclamation, the declaration that Britain the United Kingdom now had a new sovereign. That was King Charles III. That all happened after the meeting of the Accession Council. But the council is made up of privy councillors. It's made up of great officers of state, members of the House of Lords, the Lord Mayor of the City of London, the aldermen of the City of London, which are local officials, local councillors, high commissioners of Commonwealth realms and other civil servants. It is a strange grouping of individuals. It is the most powerful people in the British realm. It really is. Um, and today we saw that ceremony for the first time ever. At the front, you had prime ministers of old. You had, I was going to say Margaret Thatcher. No, she definitely wasn't there. Um, the spirit of Margaret Thatcher was maybe there. But you had Theresa May. You had David Cameron. You had Gordon Brown. You had, of course, Boris Johnson. You had Tony Blair. I hear some of you hissing. Tony Blair, yes. Um, Boris Johnson, of course, was there, having just stepped down. And Liz Truss, our new Prime Minister, who went to meet the Queen on Tuesday. It's an amazing turn of event. Met the Queen on Tuesday, and the Queen passed away on Thursday. Um, her deterioration, her loss of health was extremely, extremely quick. But she was there. The pictures are there of her shaking Liz Truss by the hand, receiving her and conferring on her the um, the honour, the role of Prime Minister. That's where we are in that. All these weird, so you've got Privy Councillors, they're officially the Queen's, her, the, Her Majesty's, His Majesty's, 
get this right, most honourable Privy Council is a formal body of advisors to the Sovereign of the United Kingdom, mainly consists of senior politicians, current and former members of the House of Commons or House of Lords. But it was basically the great and the good. Um, and then in the Commonwealth, the Commonwealth that we still look to fondly here in the UK, although really during our time in the EU, we abandoned the Commonwealth. And my hope and prayer is that Britain properly reconnect. My hope is that Liz Truss actually is central to that, of restoring those links with the Commonwealth and of working side by side closely with them to succeed in the world. That's one of my big hopes and prayers uh, as we have walked away from the clutches of the EU. But the Commonwealth of Nations, in the Commonwealth of Nations, a high commissioner is a senior diplomat of really was the ambassador previously, but in charge of the diplomatic mission of one Commonwealth government to another. Instead of an embassy, the diplomatic mission is generally called a high commission. That's your education lesson for today. Uh, but over the next couple of days, the Queen, Queen's funeral we're expecting to be on Monday week. That is Monday the... What? Monday the what? I don't know. Monday the 19th? Monday the 19th. I'm looking at my calendar up there, my list of guests. Monday the 19th. Today, the new king held audiences with the Prime Minister, Liz Truss, and also met the cabinet for the first time. Pictures of that will obviously go out. Day two tomorrow, the Queen's body will go from Balmoral, where she loves so much, her residence there in Scotland, to Holyrood, which is the official residence of the Sovereign in Scotland. It will travel the 100 miles down there to Edinburgh and will, in effect, lie in state there for a day. Then on day three on Monday, it will be transferred to St Giles Cathedral in Edinburgh and there will be a service there. And that service is often known as the Vigil of the Princes. The House of Commons will meet, and you have many of them speaking, uh, which I think is a waste of time. It's irrelevant what the MPs think. They just want to put on record their thoughts, their views, and they're all repetitive. You could copy and paste them all, but that's our system. Then King Charles will travel the four nations of the United Kingdom, travel Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales, and back to England. Then on Wednesday, the Queen will be flown down to London. It was going to be by the Royal Train. That was the original uh, operation, the original plan that was put in place. But that seems to have been changed and she will be flown down to London, into RAF Northolt, West London. And then she will be taken to Buckingham Palace. That will be in the evening so it will be dark. I think they expect her to get there at in the evening. Yep, in the evening, 7.30, 8 o'clock. So it will be evening time. And then Wednesday, the preparation for her line in state. The 2.30 on Wednesday, let's just let you know, 2.30 UK time, which is what, uh, 9.30 Eastern time, 6.30 a.m. or Pacific Coast time. Uh, that the coffin will be pulled by gun carriage, taken on ceremonial procession through London as Big Ben tools, with royals likely 
to be walking behind. Then three o'clock, the coffin is placed in Westminster Hall. And then we have four days of lying in state. The last time this happened was the Queen Mother. Uh, the Queen Mother, am I out of focus? I look like out of focus. Let me get me in focus again. No. Uh, the Queen Mother was last in 2022. And it's zooming into behind me. Why is my camera zooming in behind me? <laughs> oh, it is. I go all the way back. Um, that's a, a a picture of the Queen. Let me from one of the newspapers today. And obviously they are full of brochures. They are full of pullouts of souvenirs that people can remember this. So the Queen lies in state in Westminster Abbey for four days. The public can walk past, can see the coffin there. Um, never done that. No, didn't do that when the Queen Mother died. That was 2002. I just moved to London, actually, 2002. Um, it wasn't something I did. I will certainly try and do this, certainly also for my family. When you've got children, you want them to remember moments in the history of your nation. I think whatever your feelings are on the institution, whatever your feelings are on the individual, you realise that this is part of Britishness. This is part of British pageantry, celebration, tradition, history, our culture. And I hope that many parents will bring their children to that, to witness the line and state of Queen Elizabeth II. And then we have the funeral on Monday, I believe it will take place, which has been declared a, a bank holiday. And that is the process of what will happen. I want to touch on a different side to finish off. Um, <laughs> I see HW, okay, HW Logan says, I watched three or four seasons of The Crown. Does it accur accurately reflect how things go? I've also watched, I think, them all. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's what the producers believe, but often no one knows. They're often writing about events that were behind closed doors. Some of it is true, but it is also a work of fiction mixed with truth. It is about entertainment, remember. Why would Netflix let the truth get in the way of a good story? So I don't know. I mean, you watch all the stuff with, uh, with Prince Charles and Lady Diana and that sad story of how they were pushed together and he never wanted to be with her and really wanted to be with Camilla. Uh, choose your wife wisely. Um, and that ended tragically. And uh, Who knows if what was on there was true or not? I don't know. So I'm not going to comment on the truthfulness or not of the crime. Um, Deborah Payton says, what is Charles' authority? Does he have ability to change laws? No. The, no, the, the sovereign does not have the ability to change. It's a constitutional monarchy. They have no power. They have the power to advise, to recommend, to pass on their wisdom to their prime minister when they meet weekly. Uh, that is all behind closed doors. But no, they don't have a right to change laws. That's been done away with for hundreds of years. Someone can correct me. Uh, for how many years that has been. But yeah, um, 
my goodness, there are lots of comments. Can I just pop through some comments and then let me come back on the last thing, which is the the darker side of the monarchy. And I I realize even on our team here at Hartsville, we were discussing this this morning on our back office team, and we have disagreements over this. Some of us are maybe more nostalgic. Uh, others have lost any sense of respect through many things that have happened over the past number of years. So we'll touch on those. Um, RCW says, yeah, the Queen's hands were deeply bruised when she met Trust. That's true. And that probably was an indication. Uh, Likem says, at least we get another bank holiday. <laughs> um, let me go through some comments. Sorry, there's too many comments. Yeah, Alan Bodell says Donald Trump did a wonderful eulogy to her, totally ignored by UK media. He did. I know GB News covered that. I saw actually saw David Vance cover that uh, when he did a program on this yesterday. I had a look at that. So do check out um, check out his stream for that. He put a lot more information on it. Uh, let me bring up. Were there any other comments? I'm scrolling down. No. Let me jump over to Getter and have a look at comments there. Oh, I'm nearly 2,000 of you on Getter. Thank you so much. Uh, let me pull up some comments while I've been focusing on talking to you. Um, Sunita Rand says, whenever there is hierarchy, there will be challenges. Yeah. Uh, Deborah Payton says, one should choose their covenant with God in marriage too. Yep. Um, HW says I need to watch David. Well, you get you get two Irish, uh, Irish Northern Irish voices. So if you like the accent, you get more with David. Uh, that's a plug for Mr. David Vance. Dun, dun, watch. I should need to run as I watched Victoria on Amazon. Oh, that was uh, I really enjoyed that again. No idea how much of it was true. I think uh, quite a lot of it was. Um. Ishab Logan says, talking about her parents visiting Windsor Castle on their one trip abroad. The Queen was elsewhere. You didn't bump into her. Chris Ann sending love from Alabama, USA. Deep South Alabama. Great to have you, Chris Ann. Uh, Pems Head says, I don't watch fictionalized interpretation whilst those involved are still alive. Probably quite wise. Uh, Okay, Dr. Felix, let's jump in then. I don't feel bad for the Queen. She ruled over colonies guilt-free and she defended Andy, who groomed. Yeah. Um, the thing about the thing about colonies, I don't, I mean, Jordan Peterson touches on this also fantastically, I saw on another recent video a few days ago. And he talks about the the blessing, the benefits the UK gave to many countries. Yeah, I I agree that where borders were marked incorrectly has caused a lot of strife, absolutely. But it it cannot be Britain's fault that countries are held down and unable to prosper. There may be part of that that affects countries, uh, but I, there have to be lots of other. I mean, if you look at some countries, let's take an example. I don't want to um, offend any Nigerians, but... Nigeria is a very, very rich country in minerals, in oil, and yet as a country, and it should be extremely prosperous and right there at the top table of world countries, and yet it finds itself in turmoil and chaos. 
Some would say because that's how British divided lines. I, I think that the wealth of countries, people, people should come together and use that as a sense of uni, unifying the country. There are many other countries that don't seem to be able to come together. Mozambique is a strange example, not as a British ex-colony, but as a Portuguese ex-colony, ex-territory. And the Portuguese were pushed out of the country, forced out by communists. And then the country went into civil war and they ended up destroying the whole infrastructure of their country. You wonder why it's one of the poorest countries? Well, when you destroy all your hospitals and your roads and ruin your economy, you can't sit back and say, those naughty Portuguese, they've messed our country if you've done it to yourself. It's like BLM activists burning down their shops and then complaining that their neighborhoods are not doing so well. Self-inflicted harm. That's my thoughts on that, but we'll not get into deeper in that. Let's finish off with a couple of points. Prince Charles, his relationship with, let me bring some of these up. I'm now on properly, so I can pull this up, and I didn't bring it up at the beginning because it was also chaotic, but thank you so much for staying with us. Here's a headline. Prince Charles asked Jimmy Savile for advice. What? Newly released letter show. This is 6th of April, MSN. Let's scroll down. Prince Charles, this is back uh, five months ago, asked Jimmy Savile for PR advice following a blunder by Prince Andrew. <laughs> Just the one blunder. A Netflix documentary has claimed the future king wrote letters to the BBC TV personality who is now known to be a prolific sex offender over a period spanning 20 years. Um, that's Jimmy Savile. During the course of the correspondence, the Prince asked Savile for advice on how to make public visits, speeches, and how the royal family should deal with incidents. In response, Savile appeared to take on the role of an unofficial advisor to the Prince, even writing a handbook for Charles. Wow. Someone who's a sex offender over 20 years, whose crimes were hidden, Prince Charles was going to for advice. Makes you wonder. That's one of the big issues I know that many people have with the monarchy and certainly with Prince Charles. Second one we have, and I'll, I'll not bring this up, but I'll, I will bring it up. I will bring it up. Why would I not bring it up? Let me put up the headline. I remember we're on YouTube. So I don't really need to make the point deeply. I think you'll get the point I want to make. Here we have the BBC, Bastion of Truth. And this is February 2021. Newspaper headlines. Do one's duty as Queen makes vaccine plea. My body, my choice has gone out the window. A smiling queen is pictured on many front pages after she encouraged people to come forward and get vaccinated. It's selfish not to have the jab, is how the Daily Mail summarises her message, while it highlights as historic and astonishing. It said it's highly unusual for the sovereign to take such a firm public stand on contentious issues. Interesting how the Daily Mail saw the vaccine as contentious. I think that's, 
quite interesting, but the Daily Mail said that it was a contentious issue whether you get the vaccine for COVID or not. The Daily Mail's headline says, Do One's Duty, um, which was seen as a stern rebuke to anti-vaxxers. The Daily Telegraph explains that it's been told by royal sources that it's the Queen's passionately held belief that everyone should get a jab. It draws a parallel with their decision in 1957 to let it be known that Prince Charles and Princess Anne have been given the polio vaccine to counter public fears. That's completely different. If you've got a, a vaccine that's been tested over decades, that's very different from a much newer vaccine. The paper also said the rollout, this is the, the Telegraph, has been beset by hesitancy amongst the black community, of whom it adds just 72% are willing to have the jab. Hmm, interesting there by the, the Daily Telegraph. I guess it went further and criticised. It would have been racist, I guess, criticising people because of their choice by skin colour. Um, and the Queen's vaccine plea also made the lead in the sun which quipped, one's had, one's jab, and one's right as rain. It's a good headline by the, uh, by the sun. So there you go, that massive push, which I think many of us would have concerns over. That's the second thing. Prince Andrew, Prince Andrew, let's bring Prince Andrew again. I think the understanding he's been a naughty, naughty boy. That's what... We are told that's what the allegations are about. That's what the payouts are about. But let me bring, you know, yeah, Prince Andrew, and I'll not bring it up, Prince Andrew and the settlement money. I'll read, there were many ones. Uh, this was, I think, the Express. This was February 2022, seven months ago. Prince Andrew, cash fact checked. All the, the, God, did I get my tongue tied there? Prince Andrew cash fact checked. Did the Queen fund Andrew's royal payout? Prince Andrew's out-of-court settlement with Virginia Gouffre in the US civil sexual assault case has raised questions about the possible use of public funding. But where will the Duke get his money? Prince Andrew, Duke of York, agreed to pay an undisclosed sum to Virginia to make a substantial donation to her charity in support of victims. However, the Duke has made no admission of liability and has always maintained his firm denial of the allegations. According to the Daily Express, widespread speculation has put the figure somewhere between what do you think you pay for something that you don't admit is your fault? How much would you pay for an allegation that wasn't true? Well, in this case, it's been 7 and 12 million. Seven to 12 million pounds. Wow. That's what about eight to 13 million dollars because the pound is collapsing against the dollar. Where did that money come from? The questions were had it been raised from the public purse? Had us as British taxpayers paid for a payoff from Prince Andrew to sex allegations from someone who said she was sexually abused? as a child. Moving on, that's one of the big issues people have, and I get that. Another one is the Great Reset. 
Let me bring this tweet up. <clears throat> and I didn't bring my producer in because I just, I didn't know what I wanted to bring up. So I thought it was easier for me just pulling them up. And as this tweet by Clarence House. Clarence House, this is the Prince of Wales. This is his official residency. Often you'll see Prince of Wales, Clarence House. They make the official statements. Like, I guess, Buckingham Palace will make the official statements on the Queen's behalf. And here we have Clarence House. This is June 2020. Hashtag, the Great Reset has been launched. Prince Charles celebrating launching the Great Reset. I'll leave that with your thoughts. Another one linking with that. I'll show you. You may want to. Oh, you may want to look away from this. This is a disturbing picture. Very disturbing. I don't want anyone to be offended or hurt. Let me bring this picture up. Oh, oh, you can't see it yet. Oh, oh, shivers down my spine. Oh, and who is it? Klaus Schwab. Klaus Schwab. Talking about the Great Reset. This is the WEF. And if we scroll up, Klaus Schwab and Prince Charles on why we need a Great Reset. Listen to the podcast, June 2020. The fourth industrial revolution. I mean, it's all there. I'll, I'm not going to subject you to the podcast. <laughs> why would I do that? But here we have the fourth industrial revolution. Klaus Schwab and Prince Charles are why we need a great reset. No, we need the WEF to piss out of our lives and we want the freedom to choose to live our lives as we want. Just like if you're a conservative, you want small government, you want the government to butt out of your lives. And the WEF, an unelected or secretive organization that has tentacles in every area of our life, we want nothing to do with them. Sadly, Prince Charles thought differently and seems to celebrate his relationship with Klaus Schwab. Now, I've people have sent me pictures of Prince Charles with Klaus Schwab, Prince Charles with the Rothschilds, different ones, Prince Charles with, um, who else, with Jimmy Savile, Prince Charles with, I've just forgot, Microsoft man. Why cannot I remember Microsoft man? Bill Gates. Seriously, Bill Gates. But, and I there were pictures put together and like, you can trust a man by the company he keeps. And I get that. But again, a picture can be used and abused. You don't know the context. You don't know how many times it could be met the person once or twice. Uh, may not have never met them again. So it's be wary on just putting up posts. We always try and go through what we put up and to make sure it's true to check. Might mean we're sometimes uh, slower on putting something up. When everyone's jumping on something, we try and pull back a little bit and just make sure it is true. Make sure it is there. Let me finish off. I haven't even had a drink yet. And I've spoken for the last 50 odd minutes. My throat's getting sore. The last one, cash for honours. Money in suitcases. Something you and I don't have to worry about or deal with. But let me tell you, there are... Two recent stories. One was December 2001. 
2021, 2021, last year, nine months ago. And the headline, for instance, from the Daily Express was Prince Charles warned 30 years ago by close ally over cash for honours. Prince Charles was warned about the risk of damaging cash for honour scandals, an insider told the Express. The heart of the claim is that Mr. Mr. Fawcett, who was Prince Charles' right-hand man for many years, offered to help secure a knighthood and British citizenship for the Mafaz Mari Mubarak bin Mafawaz. How was that? A Saudi billionaire who donated more than one and a half million to Charles's charities. Prince Charles, uh, so interesting allegation. And he was given one and a half million pounds to different charities. And then suddenly an option of a knighthood appeared. Cash for access, cash for honours. With our British MPs, it was cash for, um, was it cash for questions? And brown envelopes being passed around. And then a later story in June 2022, a couple of months ago, the headline is Prince Charles accepted suitcase stuffed with 1 million euros in cash from Qatari Sikh. Hmm, Qatari, that level of freedom. But Sheikh, whoever he is, Jabber Ali Thani, is said to have handed banknotes over in meetings between 2011 and 2015. So you're sitting there, it's like, I brought you a gift. Obviously, it wouldn't be an alcoholic beverage, wouldn't be a, a nice Qatari whiskey. So instead, oh, Passover suitcase, little present for you later. And those add up to a million euros. Uh, and the Daily Express point out, this astonishing revelation comes as Prince Charles sought to make amends for the UK's human rights record by announcing the National Day of Remembrance for victims of the British slave trade. Ironically, still reading the Daily Express, Qatar's had a long question, has long been questioned over its own human rights record. Hmm. Cash keeps silence. And I understand there are more issues and more questions people have, but I think that this week it's a time of remembering a well-loved sovereign by many of this country who... I'm sure had her faults like all of us. And I wish she did speak out on a number of those issues. I wish she did not capitulate uh, to the medical tyranny that was pushed through lo- through the lockdowns and through vaccines. But everyone makes their choice. Maybe she wasn't aware. I, I, I'll, I'll not make excuses. I'll not go down that route. It's a dangerous road to go down because you don't know the background. Um. But I think it's a time to remember and a time to mourn. Remember, family have lost a loved one. And a time to look ahead, I think with, for me, it's prayerful anguish, prayerful concern, and not knowing what the future holds, but hoping that it is good. My to finish off, my my thinking, my observation, my prophetic judgment <laughs> is that 
I think this will be the beginning of the end of the monarchy in the UK. I think there is much goodwill for the Queen, and that will not translate to Prince Charles and doesn't translate much further. I mean, Prince William is is like, but he's as woke as many in the public eye. I don't think he will bring anything good back to the UK. And it's all about moving the monarch in a progressive direction where they no longer stand for truth and stability, but will accept every women change. And I could imagine Prince Charles accepting WF dictates. I could imagine him pushing net zero and destroying our economies further. And when I look around, I see the destruction of the family. I see the destruction of truth. I see the rise of the LGBT lobby and the removal of simple things like what is male and female and what we are doing to our children. On Monday, we talked to Billboard Chris about this, uh, about purity blockers and how we're destroying children's lives. I don't think our monarchy, um, the Queen didn't do either, but I know she had a strong belief system based on her Christian faith. That is not there anymore. Not that I don't believe an atheist cannot be a great leader. Of course they, of course they can. Um, they will just have a different worldview than someone who has faith. And I think as a Christian, I believe that everyone is equal because we are all made in the image of God. We are all the same, male and female. We are all made in that same way. And none of us have the right to uh, be overlord on anyone else. I, I think actually that's the best um, understanding against slavery, that we are all equal. We are all made in the image of God. We are all the same, irrelevant of our skin color, our background, irrelevant of whether we are male or female, or even whether you want to be a hundred different gender ideologies in the middle. I mean, whatever you want to believe and accept still means you're a unique person with the same rights in society. That's my speech. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> not gonna break. Let me finish off with looking and then I'll play us out with a I'll play us out with a short video. Let me bring the video up I wanted to play, which our great team put together, which just shows the Queen her um images the Queen basically over her time over her time as um as Elizabeth and then from her time as Queen. Let me pull it up. Sorry, I didn't have it ready. It was because it, everything was ready. Seriously, everything was ready. And uh, local video. Right, I'll have that in the background. No, I'll have that in the background. Let me just finish off with anything else on just under 2000. Thank you so much for jumping on and watching us. Uh, I I love being on Getter and having those conversations I love being on Rumble as well, but I really, the, the thing about Getter, I think, is you have that interaction and you can pull in comments. Obviously, uh, you don't get that much on Getter. It doesn't work the same way, but certainly on here on Getter, you can pull those comments in and you can 
say what you like. Uh, we've only had to pull a few people off before, and it's normally a bot that spams. Let me finish off by pulling up some of your comments, and I can't believe I've talked to you for so long. <laughs> Seriously, I should stay all night until my camera dies. No, no, no. Um, thank you. Uh, we're lots of comments. Um, I or Beam, I don't think Charles will last as king. I'm, I think you're probably right. Um, Dot, I will be watching the USA if the media covers the funeral. I'm, I'm sure they will. Black Guns 2049. Uh, thanks, Peter. Uh, Biotech Babe, thanks for a good show. Thanks now, 40. Excellent show. God. It's up, Logan. We love it. 19th April, glad you're on Getter. Because sorry, I could bring in some of these comments. Some more. Uh, da, da, da. Pem's head. Anna's brilliant. Prince Anne, she is. Absolutely brilliant. She doesn't suffer fools gladly. You're so right. Sophie Wessex is good also. She is, although I, I don't know how strong she is on her place. I think she's certainly maybe further down on the uh, woke ideology slide. Uh, 19th April. So this is why I follow. You know the real king. Thank you. Uh, Deborah Payton, thank you. It shall be inspirational words. What was inspirational? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, let me yeah De Deborah Payton sorry to bring up once more Deborah Payton just gives a quote Galatians 3.28 in Christ there is no Jew or Greek no male or female we're all equal everyone is equal we're all the same and that's what I hope you come out that we will never judge people or simply on the basis of what their skin colour is madness uh, skin colour does not define or change who you are you're still a human being whether you have the right to actually live in any country you like, that, that's a whole other issue. That's an immigration issue. Uh, that's not a skin colour issue. Um, someone else loves Princess Anne, yeah. Uh, Think Now 40 says, Trust opened up fracking in England for energy. There is hope. It, I was pleased you did that. really was. Um, right. I there. Sorry, there are too many. I, sorry, I shouldn't have got pulled into that. I will be there here all night. Thank you so much. Let me play out this clip which our team put together, which are some images of the Queen. We'll play it out and we'll leave you. So thank you for tuning in and we'll play out this for you. One moment till I get it all fixed. And on that, I'll wish you a 
wonderful rest of your weekend, whatever you're doing, whether you're spending time, friends, family, uh, whatever you do over the weekend, have a wonderful time together and look forward to seeing you on Monday as with Billboard Chris talking about that subject of gender reassignment and children. So thank you for watching. Have a good weekend. I will see you Monday. Good night to you all. If you like what we do, sign up to our mailing list, donate, share, and subscribe to our many platforms at heartsofoak.org. Thank you for listening.